Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys again. My name is Tim. I'm the pastor here. Uh, we love it that you guys have joined us this Memorial Day weekend. This is a, a weekend to remember. We're going to remember a little bit of our time in this space at ASU Prep, but it's a weekend to remember uh, far greater things than that, and that's the sacrifices of our military and servicemen and women who have laid down their lives uh, so we could have some of the freedoms we're experiencing right now, that we get to sing about Jesus, we get to talk about Jesus in a public venue. And that freedom wasn't uh, free. It, it cost some people something. My uh, dad is here with me today. His father served in the military. Uh, my sister-in-law is a major in the Army. Uh, so this hits home for us. Many of you could say the same thing, that have uh, people who are actively serving, people who did lose their lives uh, that you know are, are related to. And so we just want to stop and be thankful, uh, remember that, and uh, just embrace the freedom that we have. And, and we can do that as we look at God's word. Every time you open up this book, every time you sing a, a lyric of a song, you are proclaiming that freedom that we have in Christ. So let's remember that together. Uh, and then I want to let you know, as we remember, I want to look forward to a couple of things as well. And one of those things is a, a new series that we're starting next week. Uh, next week, in the new building, we're starting a new series called Still Living, and as we go into the summer, I imagine you guys have vacations planned and, and ideas of, of rest for your summer. That's kind of what we're thinking about right now, whether you're a believer in here or not, whether you're a church person or not. Everybody in our culture is kind of thinking about what does it mean to rest and, and be still this summer? What is relaxation going to look like for us? And I think it's important to talk about that because many times, many summers, we'll go through vacations and ideas of relaxation, but what happens? We go back into the fall, and we don't feel rested. Right? It feels like our wheels have continued to churn. And, and I believe one of the enemies of our day is, is chaos, is distraction, that we don't know how to rest, to relax, to be still. And, and the Bible gives us instruction on how to do that. God gives us a paradigm for what stillness looks like, not just physically for our bodies, but spiritually for our souls. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that enemy of chaos, distraction, that so many of you are looking forward to Cancun or the beach somewhere or, or just getting in the mountains to escape the, the chaos and distraction. But the reality is peace and stillness isn't just found there. It's found in, in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to talk about Psalm 46 that says, be still and know that I am God. We're going to take four weeks to do that. It's a great time to invite other people who are stuck in the chaos and distraction of our world and say, hey, I know you're going to go on vacation. I know you're going to sit before some water, but you really need to sit still before Jesus. Come on Sunday and let's talk about that. So we're about to enter into that uh, next week, and we will do that not in this room. We're going to do that in a new location. You got a card when you walked in that looks like this that shows our new address, same time, uh, same day, Sundays, 10 a.m., at this new space, next Sunday, we'll start that new series, uh, really excited about that, uh, but there's a lot of work that goes into that, as, as I mentioned earlier in the service, we've already moved a lot of our stuff out of here, more people are going to be doing that today, um, Monday and Wednesday and Saturday, we're going to be cleaning things over there, prepping the new space in tons of ways. Some of you guys have signed up to help in that process. Some of our community groups are helping in that process, but we would invite more of you to help. Literally, right after the uh, service today, you can help load a trailer. Even if you can't go over there, you can help uh, put two things in a trailer. Those guys would appreciate that very much. And if you can help at all this week, at the Connect desk in the back, you can sign up for a shift Monday, Wednesday, or Saturday, just whatever works for you. If you say, Tim, this week is crazy, I can't help at all, uh, you can donate. Uh, some things that would be very helpful to donate is like a mop, Lysol wipes, dusters, uh, just cleaning supplies, things like that, uh, that could help. Even if you can't come and do it yourself, you can, you can donate. So let's all uh, put a hand in together. I've said that, that a few times. As we, the people of God, that's the church. It's not a building. The, the church is the people. We're the people of God, the church, are moving to another facility. And let's, let's uh, exemplify that, put that on display by doing this as the people, not just a person or two. All right? And so excited for that next Sunday, new series. And today, uh, we are going to conclude our series in the book of Colossians. Uh, before we get to that, though, I want to celebrate and uh, commission out some people in our church, uh, a couple named Catch and Laurel Hurst. 
Uh, I want to bring them up now. Catch and Laurel, where are you guys at? There they are. Would you guys welcome them on stage with me? Catch and Laurel came to our church. Uh, we're about three and a half years old as a church, if you didn't know. And they came to our church, I think, in late year one. And uh, as soon as they showed up, uh, you could just tell their faithfulness in their walk with Jesus, their desire to serve, and their passion for the church, for God's people that I just mentioned, that the church is a people and, and a community. And as soon as they showed up, I remember I met with Catch at a coffee shop, Giant Coffee, in downtown Phoenix, and he just said, hey, what can I do? Um, and at the time, we needed help with set up and tear down, which is everybody's dream and spiritual gift, amen? <laughs> right? I just love that. And, and Catch listened to that, and, and he's like, you know what? I'm in. Let's, let's put our hand in, and let's, let's do that. And uh, from day one, they began to serve in ways that they probably didn't love to serve, but they knew the greater purpose in serving. And as they served in Set Up and Tear Down, they began to raise up other leaders, Trevor and Leah Sevchek, who now serve in Set Up and Tear Down, and, uh, and just disciple people into that. And um, you've all been impacted by them. Uh, whether it was Set Up and Tear Down, whether it's um, drinking a cup of coffee on a Sunday morning, that was Laurel. Yeah, amen for that. Uh, Laurel has led our hospitality team, and so any sort of welcoming atmosphere or caffeine that you've experienced is, is due to her servant leadership. Catch uh, has given oversight to our community groups uh, for now probably two years. Uh, so notes to our community groups, questions to our community groups each week, each week just relationships and building into that and investing in that way. So all of you have been impacted by them, even if you're thinking, I don't know who they are. And the reason I'm bringing them up here today is because we are commissioning them out to go serve Jesus in a different body elsewhere. Catch uh, is in physical therapy. He had a rotation in Utah over the last couple months. We knew they were kind of leaving for a little while to do that rotation. We also knew that there would be a chance that they wouldn't come back. They wanted to come back. We wanted them to come back. Uh, I believe God has a wonderful plan for their life, and it was to come back to Phoenix uh, but that was just me. Uh, God had different ideas. They looked for a job in Phoenix, uh, financially, income, all those sorts of things. Opportunity wasn't here. It was in a different place. It was in Tacoma, Washington. And uh, Laurel has a great family, big family in Tacoma. And so they had this opportunity in Tacoma, family in Tacoma. And we just have been talking over the last couple months, and it was leaning in that direction. And I tried to talk them out of it, but I was unsuccessful. And uh, just because we love them so much. And uh, they just felt like God was leading in that direction. And so we want to pray for them. We want to honor them. We want to celebrate them uh, for the way they've served you, for the way they've served Phoenix, and for the glory of God. And as they go and do that in Tacoma now, uh, we want to pray that they would do that effectively there. We're going to miss you guys like crazy. You know that. You know we love you guys. Uh, you've impacted our church, but you've also impacted my life and our family's life, our kids' lives as you've hung out with our kiddos, so many ways. You guys have made a difference for the kingdom of God here. And so we want to pray that you do that in Tacoma. And so uh, would you guys just do this? You may be newer to church or not familiar with this, but if you would just put out a hand uh, symbolically, just put out a hand of support to Catch and Laurel, and I'm going to literally put my hand on them and pray for them, and we're going to ask God to bless their move and bless their transition. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for Catch and Laurel. I thank you for the way uh, they just arrived in Phoenix and got to work, uh, got to work serving in your body, serving through your body, and just serving ultimately the city of Phoenix uh, through your body of, of Christ here at Phoenix Bible Church. And um, they are uh, just a gifted couple, uh, a talented couple, but more than that, they are a couple who has been indwelled with Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit of God is in them, working in them, through them, and around them to make great impact and they've done that, and uh, it's been great to see that and just to be a recipient of that. And now they're going to be representatives somewhere else of your, of your kingdom, of your name, of your fame. And so we just pray as they move to Tacoma that they would have this, a similar impact that they had here. What a gift they're getting in Tacoma of Catch and Laurel Hurst. And uh, we just pray blessing upon them, just all the transition and the moving. They just moved from Utah to here and just moving again and... Um, all the logistics of those things and just feeling displaced. God, I pray that they would know they're at home uh, with you. They're at home here uh, even today as we send them out. And um, 
you would just comfort them in knowing that, and you would empower them. Uh, it's, I'm so happy for Laurel that she gets to be around family, so happy for Catch as he starts this uh, career, and just all that you're going to do through that, that you would move in a mighty way. Uh, we would be supportive. We would get to hear stories of really how the Big C Church uh, is, is still on the move, and they're a part of that, and we're a part of that together in Tacoma, uh, and we get to hear stories about that from Phoenix. And so we thank you for them. Uh, we bless them. We pray that you would move in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank Thanks. you, guys. Yeah. Appreciate you, guys. Yeah. We can hug. It's okay. I'm going to chase you down Sorry. to hug you. Yeah. <laughs> I already committed. It was too late. Okay. All right. Would you thank those guys one more time? Yeah. All right, uh, enough goodbyes because we don't want to all cry, or I just speak for myself. I don't want to cry. So uh, we're going to get into the book of Colossians, the end of the book, Colossians chapter 4. If you didn't turn there, do that now. Uh, there should be a Bible near you on an armrest. If, if not, there's a Bible on your glowing device right before you. So pull it up, BibleGateway.com, Colossians chapter 4. Head there and look at God's word with us. Uh, if you are new with us and you're thinking, well, I've, I've landed here at the very end of this series, you have, uh, but God still moves and he wants to move in this passage in your life today. Uh, but just to give you a brief overview, uh, what we've said this entire series is that the book of Colossians is 95 verses. Hopefully some of you could get that right on a quiz because I've said that so many times. The book of uh, Colossians is 95 verses, 15 times. In those 95 verses, it says, in Christ, in God, or in him. And what we've said throughout this series is that there's a thread uh, running through the book of Colossians of maturity in Christ. Uh, last week we talked about how maturity hits home and that it's not just about information, it's about implication in our marriages, in our parenting, and in our work. Uh, today, as we close out the book, as Paul does that for us, we're going to talk about not maturity hits home, but maturity leaves home. We're going to talk about maturity on mission, and it, it's fitting that this is our last Sunday in this room, uh, because that's a symbolic uh, way of seeing the, all of the Christian life, that Christianity was never meant to be confined to a room or to a space on a Sunday morning. Christianity was never meant to be confined, it's meant to be commissioned out, right? Not, not always to Tacoma, or a different city, but just to your lives, to your neighborhood, to your office, to your home, to your work, right? And so we're going to talk about what maturity looks like when it leaves the home, when it leaves this space, when it's on mission with Christ. So Colossians chapter 1, at the beginning of this book, it says, God is reconciling all things to himself. 2 Corinthians 5, Paul, the same author, that wrote Colossians, wrote 2 Corinthians 5, he said, we have been reconciled. Like we are part of those all things in Colossians 1. We have been reconciled now, 2 Corinthians 5, we are ministers of that same reconciliation. It calls us ambassadors of Christ. If you are in Christ this morning, as we've talked about in Colossians, if you're in Christ, you're called to be an ambassador for Christ. That's the way it works, and it's been that way since the very beginning. I think about my five-year-old son who will occasionally, he'll try to breathe all his air in. Maybe if you have kids, you've seen this. They've tried this until they painfully rupture their eardrums. Uh, they try to breathe all their air in and close their nose, right, and hold it all in. And we have to tell them, Ashwin, like, don't do that. That's going to hurt really bad. You have to relieve that pressure. It's got to go out. It can't all just stay in. The Christian life is the same exact way. Like if you just come on a Sunday as a believer, if you say I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and you come on a Sunday and you receive God's word, you get fed God's word, you pray personally with God, you're blessed by God, and if you just breathe in, breathe in, breathe in, and you never breathe out, that's painful. It's not the way it was meant to be. No, how is it meant to be? You're supposed to breathe in and then breathe out. You're supposed to be a recipient of God's grace and then a representative of God's grace. You're called in Christ, and then you're called to be an ambassador for Christ. That's the way it's worked from the beginning. You look at Abraham in the Old Testament. He was blessed. Why? To be a blessing. You look at Paul, the author of this book, who we think about as a superhero of the Bible. At some point, he was Saul. 
At some point, he was going door to door to persecute and attack Christians and attack the church. God rescued him out of that, and then he invited him to join him in this rescuing work. This is the way it's always worked. This is the way it works for you and I. So we're going to talk about what that looks like, maturity on mission. Our first point, as you look at the text, Colossians chapter 4, our first point is maturity on mission bows. It bows. It's not a self-reliant mission. We see that in, ch- in chapter 4, verse 2. Look at the verse with me. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. If you just look at those three verses, you see prayer mentioned three times. And I love this. Paul already assumes that you pray. He just challenges you to to step it up a notch. Another translation of our Bibles in this same verse reads, continue steadfastly in prayer. This says devote yourselves to prayer. The idea is that you already pray. The normative relationship with God is that you talk to God and you listen to him. That's what prayer is. So it's not just that we read our Bibles, that we serve some people, but the, the normative Christian life is that we talk to our Heavenly Father. It's a relationship, right? And so Paul assumes that, and he just says, be devoted in that. Step up your intensity in that. Be committed steadfastly in your prayers. And then he says how we should do that. We should be watchful. Literally, that means we should be awake or alert. You think about the disciples right before Jesus dies on the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, hey, would you stay awake and pray? What do they do? They literally fall asleep, right? Many of us, we may not fall asleep in our prayers, while well, some of us might, if we're honest, uh, but we fall asleep at the will in our prayers and that we're not looking for God to move. We're not watchful, alert in our prayers. So be devoted, be watchful, and be thankful. Why does he throw that in there? Be devoted, keep doing this, be watchful, watch for how God works through your prayers, and be thankful during that. Why does he throw that in there? It's because life is hard. Amen? Life's hard, and it's sometimes as we talk to God in our praying, it's filled with complaining, right? right God, this is hard. I don't know what I'm going to do about this. I don't know how you're working in this area. I'm not sure about the finances. I'm not sure about my health. I'm not sure about my kids. I'm not sure about this relationship. And your praying could end up being just complaining. And so Paul says, no, no, no. Be thankful. Yes, ask for things. Be watchful of how God's going to move in those areas of your life, but be thankful. Start your prayers with God. Thank you for this life and this breath. God, thank you for the new mercies that I have today. Thank you for the sun and phoenix that shines every day. Right? Thank you for this space that we get to meet in. It's not Man, the tarps that we have to cover the seats with. Man, the setup and tear down. Man, the school. Sometimes it's kind of dirty. I mean, this is, you know, just hypothetical. I've never said those things um, as I pulled up to this school. But, no, I have, right? I've complained to God about things. But, but Paul is saying, no, you, you always have a reason to be thankful. And so be thankful in your prayers. Be watchful, devoted in your prayers. And we need to pray more. I think prayer is one of those things that as we talk about it, it's one of those things in the Christian life that we all feel a little guilty about, right? We're all like, I I could probably pray more. I haven't prayed as much as I ought. And the reality is we need desperately to pray. There are heavy things in life. There are heavy things in this room. Some of them I know about personally. Like some of them are, are deep and weighty things that are affecting you. Some of them I don't know about. Many of them I don't know about. But I know we need to pray. I know we need to lift them before the Lord and be watchful and thankful in the midst of them because there's power in the prayers of God's people. So maturity on mission, it bows. It's not self-reliant. And then look at what we pray for. It says an open door. So we pray for an opportunity. It says an open door that we may proclaim Christ. We pray for availability. It says that we may proclaim it clearly. We pray for opportunity, availability, and clarity. 
Paul gives us specific things. As we're watchful, as we're thankful, here's what you actually pray for. It starts with opportunity and open door. As we uh, have prepped for this new location, Thursday we had a prayer walk, and we had three groups of people that all disbanded in different areas of the neighborhood around the, the church that we're about to meet in. And we prayed for opportunity. We prayed for open doors for the gospel, for people who don't know Jesus yet, as we show up on the scene, they would see activated on that church corner a church community, a people of God on mission for God, ambassadors of Christ, and that we would have an opportunity to declare, to demonstrate the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to them. So on this prayer walk, we, we asked for that opportunity, and I, I told uh, the people that were there, we've done some, looked at some reports and some research, not only about that community, but about downtown and central Phoenix as we prepare to move. There's lots of good information on things like that. And, and one of the things that I have looked at is a map of the spiritual climate of downtown and central Phoenix. And as I looked at that, uh, we put a, a, a pin in our new church location, and we did a four-mile radius all around that church location, which, by the way, includes this space right here, includes where we are. And as I looked at this map, it would give percentages of faith involvement or lack thereof. And the highest percentage of faith, lack of faith involvement was 49 to 60%. And it just had shaded squares of little areas in central and downtown Phoenix. 49 to 60% of people who have no faith involvement, completely unchurched, right? One of those squares was surrounding our facility, our new location. There was many squares like that, but one of them literally was right around the new location, 4002 North 18th Avenue. So as we prayed for opportunity, the reality is God has already given that. And it wasn't just there. As we did a four-mile radius, there were squares all over downtown and central Phoenix, just in a four-mile radius of people who would say, 49 to 60%, I have no faith involvement whatsoever. And so as we pray for opportunity, God has granted that opportunity here, there, everywhere in central Phoenix. We have the opportunity that we've been praying for. The next thing is do we have availability? Right, look at the text again with me. Paul prays after we get this open door that we would proclaim Christ. So we have opportunity. Do we have availability? Will we proclaim Christ? Thirdly, will we proclaim it clearly? Mission begins with prayer. It begins with bowing before God and asking for opportunity and open door, asking for availability, a, a, a foot that says, I'm going to step in, I'm going to go in on this and proclaim the gospel in the midst of this need and opportunity and that we might do so clearly. Mission begins with prayer. Uh, when I was in college, uh, I was walking away from my faith. I, I was one of those people, to be honest with you, if I was surveyed, while I was in college, I might have said, I, I'm not really involved in my faith anymore. I, I met Jesus at an early age, but I kind of started walking away during that time in college. And my parents, again, who are here this morning, God bless their souls for that time. Right? It was a difficult time for them. And they were saying multiple things. And even today, as they're here for a week, they'll remind me and my wife, oh, we were so concerned about Tim in college. I mean, it was such a difficult time. And I'm like, okay, great. Thank you, mom and dad. Right, And they'll, they'll talk about how they were, they were worried about me. They'll talk about how they would come to me and be like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing with your life? Like, stop. Right? And so there was all those things surrounding that time of me walking away from the faith. But there was always one consistent thing, and they still talk about it today, is that we weren't just asking what were you doing. We weren't just looking at you like you're crazy. We were every single day praying for you. My mom, specifically, Tim, we never stopped praying for you. We prayed for you over and over and over. And God used the prayers of my parents, of God's people, to bring me back to faith. To the point where I'm a pastor now, right? So those were pretty powerful prayers, right? Here's the reality, not just for me, but for all of us. You are in this room because someone else prayed for you. You are in this room, not by accident, not because you stumbled in here, but because God's people were lifting you up in prayer. 
you are the result of what Paul is describing. So this isn't just, hey, you guys go devote yourselves to prayer. You pray for an opportunity to proclaim Christ and and all these things. This isn't just you going and do that. It's realizing that's already been done for you. That's why you're here. And so as we think about that, as we consider we are the result of someone else's prayer, man, we need to be that for somebody else. There needs to be some other people in this room that aren't here yet who are wondering in their faith, who, who've never met Jesus to begin with. And just as you are the result of someone else's prayer, someone else could be the result of your prayer. And God can use you in your prayers. Prayer starts mission. Prayer activates mission. So, hard question, what do you pray for? What makes up the content of your prayers? Even harder question If you were to look at all your prayers, if you take a prayer journal, if you were to visibly look at them or remember what you've prayed for, even just the last week, what if, what if God answered all of your prayers? What would change? Would your food just be incredibly blessed? Because you pray blessing over your food at dinner time, and God nourished this food to our bodies, which is a good thing to pray for. But is that all that would happen if your prayers were answered by God? that your food would be extra blessed. Mmm, enchiladas, great. Right? Is that all that would happen? Is that all that would change? If God answered all your prayers just from this last week, would you just have a better job, a nicer house, a faster car? If God answered all your prayers, what would change? You see, the reality of those things is they're all temporal, right? And so we have to look at the content of our prayers and not pray temporal prayers, but pray eternal ones that lives would be changed for eternity, that if God were to answer all your prayers, you could look around and see a community, a city, a world that would be forever changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be praying those types of prayers. And some of you may say, well, Tim, I just don't naturally have a heart for people. I just don't naturally think about praying for open doors and praying for an opportunity to proclaim Christ. Like some other people in this room, they probably do, but I'm just kind of selfish, right? Like I don't naturally think about praying for those types of things. And the first thing I would say is we are all way less spiritual than we look right now, okay? So if you're one of those people thinking I'm selfish, I don't have a heart for people, I don't normally pray for people like this, none of us naturally have that inclination, right? How does it start? How do you get a heart to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to see lives change for eternity? How do you get that? You pray, right? How many times have you guys experienced this when you did pray for somebody, family member, friend, coworker, whatever happened, you brought them to mind, they asked you to pray for them, and you just felt guilty if you didn't, however you prayed for them, right? What happens when you pray for someone else by name? That prayer prompts you, right? It prompts you to give them a call. Hey, I just prayed for you. How are you doing? We haven't talked in a while. Hey, I'm going to text you. How's that situation? I just wanted to let you know I just prayed for you. Hey, I know life is kind of chaotic and hard right now. I just prayed for you, but I also want to do something else, and so I want to give you this gift, right? You've all had that experience once or twice, at least in your life, where prayer prompts you to serve them to have a heart for them. So listen, if you don't think you have a heart for people to proclaim Christ to them, you're just a selfish person, listen, you start with prayer, and God gives you the heart for those people. And so listen, as we move to the location, as we go into this next month, my challenge to you today would be who is one person you can pray for? Just one. It could be your spouse. It could be your kid who doesn't yet know Jesus. It could be a coworker, a neighbor, Uh, Someone in this room, someone who's going to come to the next room. Who is one person that you can pray for, and I'd like you to do that for 30 days. Uh, You can write it on your bulletin. You can put it up on your fridge or your mirror, and just begin to pray and see if God doesn't give you a heart for that person. See if God doesn't prompt you to action. Some of you know this is going to happen. It's why you don't want to pray for them, right? You're like, if I pray for them, Tim, I'm going to have to share Jesus with, with, with them. If I pray for them, I'm going to have to send them a gift. And I don't want to do that. But can I just ask you to step into that 
and pray for people and just see what God does with that. Commit to do that for 30 days. Devote yourselves to prayer. See what God does. Maturity on mission begins with bowing before God. Second point, maturity on mission bends. It's not a self-focused mission. We see that in verse 5. It says this, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. We see how to bend with our actions in verse 5. We see how to we see how to bend with our words in verse 6. First, actions. It says the way you act. Other translations say in that you walk. This is an active thing, that we walk, that we act in wisdom toward outsiders, people outside the church, outside the faith. As we do this, we make the most. Literally, we redeem, we buy back the time. It's an accounting term in the, in the Greek, that we buy back the time. We redeem the time by being wise toward people outside the church. Now, Paul had some people in his day, the people of Colossae had some people who were outside the church. Right? Not everybody was a fan of Paul. Not everybody was a fan or a follower of Jesus or of the church. If you read the New Testament, if you read the book of Acts, we know that. There was persecution. Right? The government wasn't for them. Right? That was the context they were in. There were outsiders in Paul's day. There's outsiders in our day. Right? And, and I think many of us, we are fearful of that, right? Especially in our country right now, we're fearful of the government. We're fearful of the hostility. We're fearful of the violence. We're fearful of the outsiders. Right? Maybe you've said, God, we want our, our country back. I mean, we want more Christ in our country. And maybe you've thought those things or said those things and you're fearful and some of it is warranted we have outsiders who are not for christianity who are not supporting the way of jesus in our schools and in our government but listen what i want you to see is paul says you don't hate them you don't be in fear of them you don't protest them what do you do you walk in wisdom toward them Paul writes this letter from prison, and he's saying, hey, don't, don't hate on all the people who put me in this place. Don't go out and get them. Don't live in fear of them. You walk in wisdom to them, right, in your actions. That in our day, just like in Paul's day, that may the body of Christ rise up and be known for people, known as people who walk in wisdom toward everybody we meet, in the context that we're in, in the challenges that we live in today, that we'd walk in wisdom. The way we say that as, as our, our church is that we, as we look at culture and the way it's going, is that we don't want to immerse in that culture, as some churches often do, and just say, hey, this is where the culture is going. Let's just ride that wave. God wrote some things in the Bible, but he didn't really foresee all that culture was going to be and all that it was going to advance and all the different ways relationships were going to look. And so let's just immerse in that. And we said, no, we need to be faithful to God's word and faithful to the Bible. We're not going to immerse. But we've also said we're also not going to exit culture like some churches do, like some Christians do, like you may have done. Hey, we're fearful of the government. We just need to stay in our holy huddle. We're fearful of the culture. We're fearful of the outsiders. Let's not get stained by them and let's exit the culture. And what we've said is we don't want to do either one of those things. We don't want to immerse or exit. We want to engage. We want to walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Right? We want to, to get a little messy and that we have to, to speak the truth in love. We have to be full of grace and truth just as Jesus was. Right? So walk in wisdom toward outsiders. And then verse 6, he addresses our words. He talks about our conversation being full of grace being salty. Salt is a preservative. Salt makes things last. That's the truth of God. Salt makes things flavorful. That's the attraction, the love of Christ shown through his people. That we should be a people who are full of grace and truth in our words, in our conversations. That people should be drawn to us because of that. Uh, we have several friends who would be considered outsiders, um, who don't know Jesus, aren't in the church. We were just hanging out with a couple the other night who was talking about uh, their, their past history 
in the church, in a different faith, but still in the church, in religion. And they just begin to talk about over and over and over the ways they've been burned by religion. The ways their family fell apart in multiple ways because of religion. Uh, They knew, they know, I'm a pastor, right? We're, We're diving full head on into that, just hanging out with them. And finally, it gets to, well, hey, you deal, you're in religion as a vocation. What does that look like for you? And I just got the opportunity to apologize to her for the way religion has destroyed in some ways her family, for the way religion has uh, skewed her view of Jesus and God. And I got to talk about it. It's not about that religion. We don't even talk about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus, that we are a people who have been moved by the love of Jesus. And so we want to extend his love for others, that we invite people to come as they are, experience his love. And so she began to talk about that and and asked me where I stood on specific issues in our culture today. And I got the opportunity again to say, this is what we believe in the 66 books of the Bible. This is what we believe about specific issues. We had an honest, candid conversation. And, and you could tell a little bit, and they're friends of ours, but they don't know what to do with that. Right? Our culture, as I talk to people, because I am a pastor, I get to have a lot of those conversations, people don't know what to do with that. Right? They want to put you in one camp or the other. They want you to be religious. And they want you to hate all the things in our culture and judge all the things in our culture. Or they want you just to be just like them and be friendly to all the things in our culture, right? And the people that are engaging, walking in wisdom, speech seasoned with salt, grace and truth, lasting and flavorful, attractive, people that are walking in that middle, engaging people this way that Paul talks about, they don't know what to do with that, right? And listen, that should be comforting for you if you've ever been in that situation, if you have relationships like that. That should be comforting to me. Why? Because people didn't know what to do with Jesus either. Right? I mean, they said, Jesus, why aren't you like the Pharisees? Why aren't you obeying all these rules? Why aren't you judging people in the same way as they are? Well, Jesus, why aren't you like the people at this party turning water into wine? Like, goodness, Jesus, what are you doing? And they didn't know what to do with Jesus. They tried to put him in a box, but he didn't fit there. And as we follow Jesus, it should be the same way. We don't immerse. We don't exit. We don't speak hate. We speak love. But we do speak truth, and it doesn't change. And people should wonder, like, what is that? that? That's not what I've experienced. That's not what I've seen. And then you say, yeah, you need to come to my church. Yeah, you need to come to my house. You need to walk with me. Let's look at the life of Jesus together, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. Let's look at grace, truth together. That our words, our actions should be grace-filled, truth-saturated, impacting those around us as we engage them. That's what Paul calls us to. Now, as I, I say all of that, some of you may think, well, Tim, I'm not, I'm not extroverted. I mean, I don't, I don't just go out and talk to people. I don't like hanging out with people like that. Well, here, here's what you can do is you can invite them to church. Uh, one thing we did, that couple uh, as well, uh, came to my wife's birthday party at our house. I, I didn't go and, and have a track and share the gospel with them. We didn't get out the Bible, but we just invited them to my wife's birthday party. A party. Anybody can do that, right? Well, a lot of you guys were there. In fact, they asked me later, like, this is your job. You're a pastor. You're supposed to invest into these people, but then you also just hang out with them. Like, how is that? And I'm like, well, I actually kind of like the people, you know, just a little bit. kind of like them. Some of them are friends of mine. Uh, so it's not just a job, right? And so they do come over for a party. And then this couple was over there for a party. And they got to meet all you guys, not all you guys, but a lot of you guys. And afterwards, man, they, they felt the love of Jesus without even having a word spoken to them about Jesus. Right? They got to be in our midst If you weren't extroverted or if I wasn't extroverted, they got to be around some other people who were. And they got to experience the love of Jesus just by being around people. So you're not extroverted? Invite some people to a party. Invite people to church. Invite people around other people. The onus isn't just on you to do this, right? Some of you are thinking, Tim, I don't don't know enough. I'm not theologically astute enough. I don't know if I would know how to explain the gospel clearly as I ought, as Paul says, 
Listen, you need to learn, you need to grow in the Bible and your faith, but you can also just start here. You can say, listen, I, I don't know my Bible super well yet, but here's what I do know. Jesus has impacted my life in a significant way. Jesus is unique. I had questions too, but as I began to learn about Jesus and follow Jesus, it changed my life and my family's life and everybody around me, and I want to keep following him and keep trusting him. And I, and I would just invite you to do the same. You can start there. Some of you may be thinking, Tim, I'm not even sure I buy this. Much less am I going to proclaim it to somebody else. Listen, I'm glad you're here. Right? Stay engaged. Listen. Keep checking this thing out. And I hope, at the very least, in a sermon like this, you get to see behind the curtain. And see, this is why we do what we do. This is why we meet every Sunday. This is why we're moving locations. It's all centered around this idea that we want to speak the truth in love. We want to proclaim and practice the gospel of Jesus Christ so that more and more people might know him and love him forever. Right? So if you're new to this thing, man, welcome. We're glad you're here. Listen, engage, keep, keep on that track of discovering who Jesus is. So maturity bows, maturity bends. The last thing is maturity belongs. Look at verse uh, 7 through 18. We're not going to read all of this again, but I just would point out to you as you sort of gaze over that, you see 10 people that Paul mentions. Verses 7 through 18, if you look at it, you see 10 people Paul mentions, Tychicus, Onesimus, or all these names you don't know how to pronounce. The reality is Paul belongs. Right? Many of us, we do think of Paul and we think, man, superhero, amazing, wrote two-thirds of our New Testament, missionary, church planter, superhero of the Bible, the apostle Paul. Listen, if you look at Paul's life, this wasn't a solo mission. Just in this passage, there's 10 people he mentions that are with him, locking arms with him in this mission, bowing together, bending together, that Paul doesn't just bow. He's not just calling you to bow or bend. He's calling you to belong, to do this together. Paul's got a list, right? A lot of his letters end like this. He has a list of people. Who, who would be on your list? Right? Do you have a list of people that you belong to? Or do you just kind of show up casually to church, sit in the back, and leave, and it feels like this is kind of a private faith, a, a solo mission? It's not meant to be that way. Even for Paul, it wasn't that way. Who's on your list? As a church, we have a lot of people on this list. This is our last uh, Sunday in this space. And so I want to I let you know about some of these people if you don't know them already. Um, this mission, every Sunday, to love Jesus, live like Jesus, lead others to Jesus, it's not a solo mission, right? It's not just me putting all this thing together and making this thing work. There's many people that I would put on a list of people that are locking arms to do this every Sunday, every week. Some of those people are in the back, in the dark back there, our production team. Would you guys look back at them and just clap for them? They're going to hate that I did that, but I don't care. Um, Chris Laurent uh, is our production lead who would be on this list. Um, every Sunday, gets here at 8 a.m., starts running cable so we can have amplifying sound to proclaim the gospel of Christ clearly. His whole team does that in amazing ways. Our, our setup and teardown team, Trevor uh, Sevchek. Trevor, where are you at? Are you setting up and teardown right now? Okay. Um, Trevor and his team gets here. Some of you guys are a part of that team. Get here and set all these things up. You're, you're belonging, right? This isn't a solo mission. Our worship team, Samson, Bradley Hyde, Dana Wynn, our PBC kids team, the heroes of every Sunday. Let's be honest, amen? Sarah Johnson right in the middle. Give it up for Sarah. She leads that team. In case you're wondering, kids aren't in the service every Sunday. Uh, they're often in uh, classrooms learning about Jesus in a different way. We say we're making little disciples of Jesus. Sarah heads that up along with a whole host of volunteers who are locking arms together, who would be on this list of people locking arms together in the mission of God. They're heroes of Phoenix Bible Church. I really mean that. That's when we give them a day off, right? We want to honor them and celebrate them well. Um, so many more that I could mention as we think back on our time here 
as we think about this church, this is not a solo mission. It's locking arms together. Who is on your list? Who are you locking arms with? What does that look like in your life? Who are you serving with? Who are you in community with on God's mission? As we close, I want to invite the the band back up. And uh, we're going to respond to this truth. And we're going to reflect on our time at this school. We're also going to look forward to the mission God has for us. Um, But I would just say this. We said it uh, on social media yesterday that the church is a people. The church is a people saved by God on mission for God. The church is the people. It's not the place. right? But there's a reality that three and a half years we've been in this place. And God has used this place to form a people. God has used all those people I just listed off. God has used you who I didn't list off. God has used uh, incredible things over and over to form a people in this place. And, and so we're praying for the same thing at the new place. That God would continue to form a people in the new place just like he has in this place. A place where imperfect people have been moved by the perfect love of Jesus to extend, to bend, to serve, to send, to invite, to invest. That's our goal. It's this mission that Paul calls us to. That does not change. As I ask for memories from people in our church this week as we got all nostalgic and started to remember all that God's done in and through this place. A lot of our leaders sent me emails and memories and all of them centered around this mission. Like Some of them talked about, hey, I remember my favorite memory is when I got baptized and declared faith publicly in Jesus. When I did that. And then I remember when somebody else did that. And then I remember when someone who works at this campus did that. And they were all revolving around these transformations that we've experienced, this mission being lived out. They were all revolving around connections that led to transformations. One of them specifically, I'm going to read a little bit of it for you, but one guy in our church just said, you know, my favorite memory was sitting in the lobby outside the auditorium, and I saw this new lady at our church, and I didn't know her name, and I didn't know if anybody else knew her, and she was sitting by herself. And he said... He thought for a moment, should I introduce myself? These are his words, literally. Or will I look like a a troll or kind of creepy by going up to this lady by myself? (laughs) How many of you have thought that? Amen, right? You've thought that. Uh, This guy's being honest. He says, I thought that, but then I said, you know what? I don't want to make her uncomfortable, but I also don't want to be uncomfortable by leaving and not talking to this person when I know I should. So I, I went up to her. I made the decision to sit next to her and introduce myself. We talked for a little while. It was really nice meeting her, and I was glad to talk to her after all. Later, that person, who is still in our church, by the way, said that if I hadn't sat down to chat with her, she may have never come back to our church. Today, that person is a member of this church, attends regularly, serves sacrificially, uh, adores my kids, is in community group with me. This is the mission that we're locking arms in, whether it's this space or another space, right? Everybody needs somebody like that. My friend Nathan, who did that, who shared this story, everybody needs somebody like that. Somebody was that for you. Will you be that somebody for someone else? Will you bow? Will you bend? Will you belong in this mission? Who is one person you can pray for? Who is one person you can invite to church, this next series, invite into your life, show them the grace, the truth, the season with salt, words and actions, walking and wisdom that they may have never seen before. I've shared this story before, so I won't give all the details again, but as we think about our future, as your pastor, I, I want us to be about this mission. That's why we started this church. We started this church because we wanted to be about this mission. As we started this church, we had a lot of different options and obstacles in our lives. And for us, my family and I, we're from Texas. And the easy money uh, was us going back to Texas and just getting a job at a church. We had some uh, trials as we came to Phoenix. And the easy money just said, hey, go back to Texas and get a job at a church. Play it safe. And we just said, we don't want to do that. We don't want to play it safe. We want to be sent. We don't want to play it safe. We want to serve. 
because we believe there's a need here, right? So we started this church to see this mission that bows, that bends, that belongs. And three and a half years later, that's still what we're doing here, right? That's still why we're here. And listen, as I thought about Texas, a lot of things made sense, like barbecue, like fajitas, like our family who lives there. A lot of things made sense and we're even safe. But we just said that's not what we're called to do is be safe. We're called to be sent on mission with Jesus Christ. We're called in Christ to be an ambassador for Christ. And that's how Phoenix Bible Church began. That's how Phoenix Bible Church continues. Right, so as you think about your life, what informs and affects your life? Is it safety or is it servanthood? Is it safety or is it mission? Like, who are you praying for? Who are you talking to? Who are you proclaiming Jesus to? Everybody needs that somebody in that lobby who comes up to them. You've been that somebody before. Would you be that someone for someone else? As we continue to see this mission lived out in and through Phoenix Bible Church. Let's pray for that. Father in heaven, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this mission that you did start. Out of some uncomfortable situation, out of some obstacles, you brought some opportunity, the very opportunity that Paul prays for. Opportunities for an open door to proclaim Christ, to do so clearly, to have speech that's seasoned with salt, with grace, with truth, to have actions that are wise, impacting central downtown Phoenix with the gospel of Jesus Christ, changing souls, lives for eternity. Thank you for this place and letting us get to be a part of that mission with these people in this place. There's so many people there's so many things that we didn't even mention that have happened in this place. God, I pray today, even if we're brand new, we would feel a sense of that. We would feel an adoration, a, a, a thank you for that, just a thankfulness to you for all that you've done. But we would also look forward to all that you're going to do, not just through some other people, but through us as we pray for people, as we proclaim you to other people. God, move in a mighty way, even as we celebrate and sing now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.